a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I'm in mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Scraping the bottom of the barrel, this is Table Talk Radio. One of my favorite shows, Didn't I think. Did you say that last time? Uh, probably. Uh, one you know, of my I favorite shows. Uh, was it the last show that you set me off on a. Uh, uh, Tyrann, uh, this uh, rage for on against the Pope the whole time because people I, I think three times at church people have come up to me like whispered behind me, Papist, Papist. I, actually, no one's doing that. <laughs> you you just have issues. <laughs> hey, why is everyone why is everyone talking to me like that? <laughs> and don't put that on me. It's not it's not my fault that you have issues. You, sir. It's true. <laughs> uh, this is my new favorite show, my new favorite game. It's uh, uh, Pastor Wolfmiller Reads Mean Comments, <laughs> which I can't think of anything better to do on this show other than hear people say mean things about you and your YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I think this will be the, great. the new. Oh, good. New I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> Want to do some buzzwords first? I okay. found some good ones. Well, we could, but I, I'm, I'm not done yet. Um, can we pull? Can we pull from yeah. other YouTube videos where you made like guest appearances? Is that is that available too? I suppose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to do that? That, that? that would be fun. You read from your, your YouTube channel, and I'll read from other people's YouTube channels. <laughs> wow. All right. What's your buzzword? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I got a, I got the buzzword generator, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'm uh, using today. The outlines of doctrinal theology, pages one to two hundred and eighty-two. Okay, I'm gonna pick page two hundred and one. Two hundred one. It's a nice choice. This is, oh, hmm. The effects of the call. Hey, last time you had call, vocation, the calling of the gospel. Here it's talking about the effects of the call. All those in whom the effects of the calling grace of God are not by obstinate resistance frustrated are by the divine power residing in the means of grace and working through the same regenerated or converted. I would like to use I would like to use the word regeneration as my buzzword. And here's a, here's a definition of it, actually, on the next page. Regeneration is the act of divine grace and power by which man, born of the flesh, void of all power to think, to will, or to do any good thing, and dead in sin, is through the means of grace raised from spiritual death, born into new spiritual life, and endowed with spiritual power to know and understand spiritual truths, to will and to do what is spiritually good, 
and especially made to accept and enjoy the benefits of redemption, which is in Christ Jesus, the Savior of mankind. That's kind of nice. Got it. Generation. Okay. Hey, can I borrow your uh, buzzer generator? Sure. Okay. Could you read what's on page uh, 57 for me? Mm hmm. Let's see. Let me find a real easy one for myself. <laughs> Finding new ways to it's not. Page 59 not prepare. is pneumatology. Okay. I'll go with that. Pneumatology. But, um, hmm. Well, here on page 57. It's talking about preservation, and this is so. This is first article in creation, and it says the continuous preservation of the inanimate and irrational world is, as its first creation was, a work of the triune God, who by immediate and mediate action preserves and continues what He created mm. in the beginning. This is That's a great nice, point, actually. Yeah. So, so, so uh, we don't somehow believe that God you know, created this world and then just uh, fas fashioned it together in such a way that it'll be self-sustaining. So like winding up a clock or something like that. Now he's just kind of uh, sitting on the beach uh, enjoying the, enjoying the sunset. Uh, but he's, but, but the reason that this world continues uh, to spin, to, to have its uh, stays together is because the Lord is actively holding it together. And if the Lord were to withdraw his hand, then it would all go to destruction. Yep. Okay. That's right. Preservation. Very cool. All right. Well, let's let's uh let's dive right into this new game. My new favorite okay. game. Okay. Yeah. So so you Did got you the YouTubes. No, not yet. But yeah. to tell tell the listener about uh the YouTubes and and the work you're doing over there and and lo and behold, every once in a while there's a YouTuber that does not fully appreciate the content that you deliver. Can you believe it? It's hard. So, you know, the YouTubes. Everyone's heard of the YouTubes. It's a video sharing platform. <laughs> Explain what YouTube is for us. <laughs> I've heard of this. I don't know what I'm doing over there, but I, I, you know, it's an interesting thing. So I got the YouTubes channel. And uh, the Isaac, my youngest boy the other day, was showing one of his friends. And they said, dude. Your dad's famous. They subscribed. So I don't know how many. I think I got 19 or 20 subscribers now. And one of them is uh, Isaac's buddy from band. Shout out to Isaac there. So, um, the you know, one of the. Th it's, here's an interesting fact that some people don't know about the old YouTubes, and that is 74% of content consumed on the YouTubes is from recommended videos. So that means 26% of the stuff people watch, they go to watch. Hmm. And then almost three-quarters of it is from what they put on the side, what they recommend after the video. That does Even not the fact me. YouTube is kind of tricky because, you know, you're watching a video, and it's telling you other better videos that you should watch right on the side of the video. It's crazy. <laughs> a, oh, you're watching Pastor Wolf. How there. hard is it? Might I suggest these other things that are better? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> What kind of crazy are you? What you know? You obviously have horrible judgment. Let's help you out. It's kind of tricky. Anyway, uh, people can also comment on the videos, which I love. Some people turn off comments on video. I love it. And I used to. I remember when I first started. I was talking to Jonathan Fisk, buddy, who's kind of the pioneer of Orthodox Lutheranism on YouTube, and he said never read the comments because it's depressing. But I realized at some point that re it is depressing by the way but I, I realize that if there's someone who watches my video long enough 
to hate it and then is so moved <laughs> to go and do a thumbs down and write an obnoxious comment or whatever, then that me for every person that is actually doing that, there's another 10 or 15 or 20 people who are just watching it and disagreeing with it, but therefore being challenged by it. And so every time I see a, a bad comment, I know th this is the one of the great marks of success in my mind, because it means that the algorithm, the 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 sacred YouTube algorithm, uh, you can't quotes on sacred, but anyway, it's is showing the video to someone who disagrees with it, which is what this whole thing is all about. You are very so, successful. So though. there you go. You're you're one of the most well, successful YouTubers I know. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> let's get into. So here's one. Okay. From a couple of days ago, Terrence writes on my video, what does the rapture, what does the Bible teach about the rapture? Quote, flippant and self-serving. <laughs> That's nice, isn't it? So he, so, so on a video that you were talking about, um, end times, uh, yeah. he said that, uh, the, the Bible, of uh, teaching on the rapture is flippant and self-serving. No, yeah, well, uh, that my video was flippant and self-serving. Oh, gotcha, and gotcha. Someone named Bread of Life says this right after that. It says, your name tells the story, Wolf Mueller, Wolf in all capital letters. <laughs> yeah, you're a, you're a wolf in sheep's clothing, perhaps. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's funny. But that's that's unfortunate. Can like, you, what are you supposed to do? Change your name? Like, oh, I want to be a pastor, but <laughs> my last name is Wolfmuller. I guess I, I'll never be right. credible on YouTube with this name. <laughs> I know. It. I know. I could never be a pastor. <laughs> uh, so what what what's your what's your uh, what was your thing on the end times all about? Well, I was just talking about the rapture and sort of pulling out the scriptures and saying that the rapture is the resurrection of the living. Um. And uh, and so standing against this idea of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, or even just the idea that the rapture is some sort of event disconnected from the second coming, that that simply can't be sustained by the holy scriptures. But boy, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of grief on even on that particular video. I, I get a lot of grief all the time. I wonder if I could pull that up. I can. It, it, it just kind of cruise through some of the comments on this particular video. Um, uh, yeah, if you can somehow survive the tribulation without taking the mark, then you will be taken away during Jesus' second coming, not before tribulation, which many believe. Um, or here's another one. Um, well, here's people sending links to their other ones. Uh, They're shamelessly plugging on your YouTube comments? Oh, yeah. Chili is heaven. That's one. Um, Jesus is going to establish the kingdom of God in Chile. Jesus is already in Earth. Rapture is taking people to Chile. This guy's pretty excited about Chile on this particular video. Hmm. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll look at some more comments and uh, maybe say a few things about end times. We'll be right back. You're on Table Talk Radio. Part-time hosts, full-time nonsense. 
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The Sunday Drive Home, grappling with the text on the Theo vlog. These are some of the playlists on the YouTube channel. Visit YouTube slash Wolfmuller1. Check it out there. All right, welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're looking at some mean comments to Pastor Wolfmuller. And, uh, oh, my favorite show. Uh, We're talking about end times. And uh, there's this whole uh, misunderstanding about the rapture that you were hitting on before the break. And, um, Pastor, what do you think? I mean, uh, certainly that this is solidified in church teaching. Uh, However, I find that the idea of uh, the rapture to inaugurate the um, earthly reign of Christ in the thousand-year reign um, has been popularized by, you know, movies and books and all of this, and so that even if someone isn't necessarily well-studied on end-time theology or eschatology or maybe has even ever heard their pastor teach or preach about it at their church, it seems to be the default assumption for many Christians um, because of the way it was popularized. Is that true, you think? I think so. So what we call this is dispensational by default. Mm. And that is the default setting is just for whatever. Yeah. yeah, Whatever. If you haven't kind of dug into the different sort of views of the end times, you just sort of adopt the dispensational premillennial pre-tribulation rapture view of the second coming, which is strange because it's a very minority view when it comes to most of Christianity, most of Christian history. But it's the loudest view, at least it was in the last generation. I'm, I don't hear too, as much talk about it now, although I was wrestling through this as an as a, uh, interesting phenomenon, and that is that in the evangelical church, the your, your typical classical sort of fundamentalist or, or conservative evangelical church will use these Bible prophecies almost as an apologetic. So like we see Israel becoming a nation state. We see the United Nations forming. We see the recapture of Jerusalem. We see the one world government. We see this electronic currency. And these are supposed to be fulfillments of biblical promises. And 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 this is just an interesting I've been I've been wrestling through what to do with this because because for sure the fulfillment of biblical promises serve as an apologetic for us and that's how Paul and and Matthew especially will use them in their writings so see especially Matthew and Romans and Hebrews in the New Testament but all, the whole New Testament but the evangelical church wants to extend that and say that all these modern events are the fulfillment of biblical prophecy I'm not that that is a strange thing to do uh well let's let's uh let's move on um now a little while ago probably what nine months ago or so you appeared on a uh, I mean you're pretty you're you're pretty out there you, you like to um appear on other YouTube's and and uh, podcasts and whatnot of of people who are doing things from a different perspective and you appeared on a uh, a, a show called Reason and Theology a Roman Catholic show. I don't know how you bit your tongue 
when uh, you know because I know you have issues. But maybe this is maybe this is where it all stems from. Anyway, it might. This might be the traumatizing event. <laughs> this is right. when I was put on the radar of the Order of Catholic Trolls. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so uh, I like this message that uh, Edward uh, left for you. Uh, he says, "Am I the only one who's nauseated by Wolfmuller's contrive bonhomie? What is bonhomie? You have a." I don't know. Definition on that? We'll have to look that up. His excessive show of friendliness when dealing with important... A pleasant and affable disposition, geniality, frank and simple good-heartedness, a good-natured manner. Good nature, pleasant and easy manner. I am nauseated by that, by the way. I'll I'll agree with uh, (laughs) Edward. His excessive show of friendliness when dealing with important disagreements over doctrine makes it appear as if it doesn't really matter whether one believes according to the teachings of the Roman Catholic... Roman Catholicism or Lutheranism. His Luther statue just further trivializes the debate. Do you have, do you have a Luther statue on the on the on the YouTube and I have a Martin I I've got a handful of Luther statues apparently. <laughs> um but I imagine the one of them is I have a Martin and Katie Luther bobblehead. Oh yeah. You know the bobblehead? That so, uh, that's probably trivializes the debate. Of course, can you imagine that this? I'm getting the grief on this from not the Roman Catholic side of things. Well, that comes in other places, but from the from a a too Lutheran. I'm not Lutheran enough for the Lutheran guy. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe he should be that's on there. Interesting. Too but, friendly. From what I gather, Wolfmuller is highly regarded in many LCMS uh, by many many LCMS Lutherans as indeed as that other. Ghastly individual, Reverend Fisk. <laughs> I Ghastly. wish to say that I, as someone who agrees with Luther, disassociate myself from present-day Lutheranism. It's not authentic, and a Luther would have disassociated himself from it. It's been led astray by, dare I say, wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah, see, there it is again. Oh, this is the, the wolves. That's so <laughs> conveniently punny. Uh, Wolf referred to confessional Lutheran teaching on predestination which he says is important. There's only one thing, though, that I that won't get mentioned or will be denied. That is that Luther, in the bondage of the will, rejected the teaching of single predestination with uh, confessional Lutherans like Wolfmuller believe in. Luther argued on the basis of Romans 9 in particular that God has predestined people both heaven and hell and that free will doesn't exist. Confessional Lutherans, however, since the 1580s, reject double predestination and believe that those who are damned have resisted the Holy Spirit, though what can only be free will, and that God has only predestined people to be saved. Okay, now this is fascinating, and I want to talk about this. Uh, it sounds like, and and and, and uh, let me know if I'm, I'm misunderstanding Edward's comments here, but it sounds like um, the basis for Lutheran doctrine for Edward is the words of Martin Luther. Is that right? Right. Yep. So, And he's saying that the Book of Concord veered from Luther's original doctrine, mm-hmm. which, okay, maybe, probably not, but let's even concede the case. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, to where do we turn? Mm-hmm. What, what is the defining, what does it mean to be a Lutheran? Does it mean that we make a confessional subscription, or does it mean we make a Luther conscri- uh, subscription? And Edward, at least for the bond, is saying that we should subscribe to the bondage of the will and not to the formula of Concord. 
Mm-hmm. So when he meant, when he says new Lutherans or modern Lutherans, he means the fifteen eighty. Yeah, right. Jacob Andrea and all the the confessors who were there at the um, at the writing of the Formula of Concord fifteen seventy seven and publishing of the Book of Concord fifteen eighty. So. Hmm. So that, I'm fine. I I, I love I love to be. Someone says, "Hey, you uh, stick with the Book of Concord more than you stick with Luther," and because of that, I'm mad at you. And I, that's a that's that a good, should be a badge. Yeah. Right. Right. So so I mean I suppose um, uh, someone could bind themselves to the Confessions of Martin Luther. It's just that they wouldn't be Lutheran. <laughs> right. I mean that's this right. is this I is that not... distinction that we were making a few shows ago about. You know what does the name Lutheran mean, and it it mm-hmm. it uh, it isn't to follow Luther as ironically as some people find that, um, but it's in fact to say that the reformers um, uh, said this is what the Bible says, and they formulated that articulation in 1580 at the uh, Book of Concord, and then someone who subscribes to say that that is a true exposition of Scripture is by definition of Lutheran, even if parts of that may disagree with Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, I don't think it does, but this argument that does Luther teach double predestination in the bondage of the will, I think is a great question. I, I don't want to, maybe, we should take it up in a more, in a different form, but I the answer is almost. Hmm. But can we understand um, Luther as not teaching double predestination in the bondage of the will in line with the uh, teaching of the formula of Concord? I think we can. But the point is, it doesn't even matter. I mean, let's just say Luther does teach double predestination in the bondage of the will. Does it matter? For, does that mean that that's orthodox doctrine? No. Answer no. Mm-hmm. That doesn't. So, mm-hmm. right. so uh, there you go. That's All right. great. Good. Well, do you have, a, uh, do you have another can comment? Can you imagine on... I'm getting trolled from the right. You know? <laughs> I, I, that's the, the... Here's one from one day ago. This is on the video, Luther on one-mindedness in time of plague. And this is where, remember how Professor Pless came out, and he, Professor Pless wrote this book on, with Jacob Corzine about the pastoring in times of plague. And when he was out here this summer, he says, you know, Luther begins his, his um, what to do in time of plague, whether one may flee, with three Bible passages on being of one mind. And Pless said, I didn't understand why Luther started there, but I understand now because this, these times of stress put so much um, temptation for division amongst the Lord's people, probably because in times of uncertainty, everyone's trying to do their best. I, th- here's, my, here's my take on why. When you don't have a clear word of God, and when you don't have a clear other word, like when COVID was coming out and everyone wasn't sure if it was going to be very dangerous or slightly dangerous, or if we were going to find medicine to help or whatever, when we didn't know these things, you have to make a decision based on unsure knowledge, and so you have to exalt your opinion. Hmm. And the danger in ex- when opinions become exalted is that people get divided against one another based on opinion and not on the Word of God, and it's almost inevitable. And so Luther begins with this warning uh, of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and Philippians that we would be of one mind. So I made a little video talking about that and got quite a bit of grief on it. Uh, I'll read a couple of those comments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to hear that. I want to hear that grief. 
All right, we're listening to <laughs> Thomas against Pastor Wilson, and we'll be back. Table Talk Radio, unscripted, unprepared, unashamed. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. All right, welcome back. Um, before the break, you were talking about this video you made, Pastor Wolfman, there about how uh, Paul exalts us to be in one mind. Um, and it, I think in the in the context of of uh, well things like pandemics that we go through, and we have to be uh, putting ourselves forward without all the information. So, what 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 comments came out as a result of that video you made? Well, there, what is one here says. Um, <laughs> Why has the, the Lutheran Church been silent about medical tyranny? Is it okay to force another Christian brother or human being to get, inject a vaccine that has side effects that could be dangerous to his body? That's one of them. Hmm. Um, and, and that's maybe my point. I, of course I'm against government tyranny and mandated vaccines. I mean, what, who, who in the world isn't except for the tyrannical rulers? But the point is Ouchie. that there's got to be room for... Um, there's got to be room for uh, a little bit of charity in this whole thing. We should we should be able to disagree with each other because we need each other in this because we're trying to figure out what's you know what's the best thing to do when we don't have a word of the Lord from it. And so we just have to be dan- we have to be we have to be wary of exalted opinion. That's the that's my point here. Here's another one who says on this video, if you're a true Christian, leave an answer to these questions in the comments. One, <laughs> do you have more than one Lord and God? Two, is Jesus your Lord and God? Three, <laughs> is Jesus your only God? P.S. If you can't answer these, then you're definitely not a true Christian. Here's the key. No, yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks for the key. <laughs> I so love this. This is a big deal. I think this is probably a oneness Pentecostal kind of trick, you know? Yeah. Um, that's my guess on this. Uh, I, I love the, the Christian ultimatum question, if you're a Christian. Yeah. It's like it's like the, in the olden days when email was new, if you love Jesus or whatever, you'll send this to 50 people. <laughs> it's like the chain right. mail things. <laughs> that's yep. great. That's good. All right. Well, uh, Lutherans do- have a dark history of standing around while governments carry out atrocities. You'd think we would learn from it. That's another one. Whoa, that was a wild ride. This is not a time of plague. It's a time of tyranny. (laughs) Hmm. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, I think what makes this complicated, and and as you pointed out that, uh, you know, we've learned a lot about COVID-19 since 2019. Uh, I mean, what we know about it now is not the same as what we knew then, obviously. And so I think hopefully we can make better informed decisions. Uh, I think, though, you know, when we talk about things like vaccine mandates or, you know, work-related mandates, this kind of thing, uh, I mean, I I suppose it's easy to make kind of a blanket uh, response, like, you know, in in no circumstance should uh, vaccines be mandated. Uh, But couldn't we also consider that in light of the 
actual danger to the to the public. So, I mean, I don't know what the what the latest stats are, but someone could look it up. But you know, infection rate uh, of the general population for COVID nineteen, you know, whatever percentage, you know, four percent or something like that, or or of those infected, the likelihood of of having you know serious uh, symptoms or uh, fatal, you know, who knows what is it two percent, three percent, something like that, you know, and so we we would be able to kind of take that data and say okay. Given that that is the response, um, you know what what would be the appropriate action to take in in terms of vaccines and requiring them. But if there was a if there was another kind of virus that went out that was like, you know, an eighty percent infection rate and a and a mortality rate of like seventy five percent, don't you think that it would make sense to approach that situation differently? Uh, and maybe maybe other factors. You know, what are the side effects of the vaccine right. and uh, how good is it at protecting against the the virus or illness? Um, so to, mm-hmm. to kind of have this blanket uh, thing, you know, we have to we have to, and this is I think maybe the point you're making. We have to we have to take these things um, case by case and and understand all the facts that are involved in each situation. Yep, yep, it's a tough thing, and there it's so it, it puts stress on the system, and it sort of exposes our our tendencies. Um, it's, it's uh, yep, but that's that's mm-hmm. probably good for that. We should, I mean, uh, th- th- this is the point: is that there's some some real wisdom, pastoral wisdom, in Luther beginning his discussion on plague time hmm. with the with, with the commands from the Apostle Paul to be one minded. In other words, that. Hmm. To recognize as Christian brothers and sisters, we're in this thing together. So let's just set that up first, because the devil would love to divide us against one another. Mm-hmm. And let's be charitable when we have disagreements, because while we should divide over disagreements about the Word of God, we should probably not divide about disagreements on medical conditions or on medicine or on whatever else. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> All right. Well, here's another comment on your uh, reason and theology uh, video. Uh, this person says, "Hi, Pastor. The problem I have with this ecumenical marriage is that Rome never changes. The declaration that was written is flawed, and Rome has not changed. It states, quote, "Together we confess by grace alone, in faith in Christ's saving work, and not because of any merit on our part, we are accepted by God and receive the Holy Spirit, who renews our hearts while equipping and calling us to good works." End quote. We are not saved by Christ's works, but by His once and for all sacrifice. He shed uh, blood. Uh, bl- he shed blood, and His blood uh, is what is required for all to have the opportunity to be made right with God. Rome is the Antichrist of all the Protestant reformers attested to, and never will change. It seeks to control the conscience so that it will lead. All to destruction. Its mark of ecclesiastical authority, according to the church, uh, according to the church, is Sunday. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, the Rome system has sought to change the times and the law of God. It venerates the dead. It claims the Eucharist changes into the actual body and blood of Christ, thus changing a ceremony of remembrance of what Christ did into a continual sacrifice. The Roman papacy is and always has been a blasphemous power, just like the Bible states, and partner anyone with 
uh, with it does so at their peril. Uh, so this one isn't necessarily a crit- criticism of you per se, unless they misunderstood something you said. Uh, but they're talking about the joint declaration on justification, uh, which is not something our church body has signed on to. Right, of course, because it's wrong, and and <laughs> so th- that's good. I mean, so I, I agree with the criticism is that th- this kind of mockery of ecumenicism with Roman with the Catholics, Roman Catholics, and with the Lutherans is is an abomination. But the, um, but then the the it's interesting that the commenter goes on to say that the mark of the beast is worship on Sunday. That's mm. phenomenal. Hmm. And I, that cannot be held up scripturally. I can't see hmm. it. And then also the Catholic doctrine of the change uh, of the bread and the wine into the body and blood. While we would disagree with that, we would certainly also disagree with the language of the commenter that it's a memorial meal because Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood. In other words, it is a memorial meal. We do take and eat the body and blood of Jesus in memory of him. We're not forgetting Jesus when we do that, certainly. And thinking about whatever else, no, we remember Jesus, but we what we what Jesus gives us is his body and his blood, and so it's more than a memorial meal. So um, I agree with the with the commenter's critique. I disagree. I, I also though disagree with that. I agree that the Pope is the Antichrist. Clearly enough, I mean, I I don't know who has been talking about that more than me lately, um, but. Anyhow, so uh, maybe I got to go back on and talk about the Antichrist with this guy on reason. I got mad at him though because three times he stood me up. We had a, we had a, a, we were going to do a third recording, and at least twice, but I think even three times. Like right, I was there ready to go, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, I can't do it tonight." And so I got frustrated with the guy. Plus, I was getting trolled by all his buddies, so I kind of <laughs> gotcha. Got tired of it, but so, I but- should probably go back on there to talk about the Antichrist. So let me go back to this. I'm assuming that this commenter is accurately quoting the Joint Declaration on Justification. Um, But let me read that, that quote again. It says, Together we confess, by grace alone, in faith in Christ's saving work, and not because of any merit on our part, we are accepted by God and receive the Holy Spirit, who renews our hearts while equipping and calling us to good works. And as far as that goes, um, someone who on the surface understands, you know, maybe knows what the solos of the Reformation are, would say, aha, Rome has conceded. These are, uh, this is Lutheran language that, that they've adopted. Is that true? No. Because, so what they can't talk about is faith alone, which is the thing that's not spoken of there. So they've never that had a problem alone with grace this, alone. It, right, yeah, the grace. because And for grace for them, remember, is not... The disposition, friendly disposition of God. It, it grace for them is something more. It's a empowering substance, and so forth. So, um, uh, how come I can't download this here? I'm looking for the JDDJ. Um, so, so that's the point. And and it won't speak of justification. It's it it speaks only of. How did it say it there? Ex- being accepted by God. Yeah, that's but the right. question is: is that is that being accepted? So simply like, okay, you you are acceptable to me, or now you possess my righteousness. Do you see? Mm-hmm. So that ex- ex- divine acceptance is not enough for justification. It's the righteousness of God that's revealed, that's given to even those who di- who did not work but believe. Mm. 
their faith is accounted as God's righteousness. And that's the thing that Rome has never been able to say. I'm going to look into the text, see if we can find how close they get. Okay. All right. One more segment of this. You are listening to Table Talk Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. More comments from the YouTubes. In a recent survey, 98% of listeners can't stand Table Talk Radio. We would like to express our gratitude to those who did not participate in the study. So I've kicked up the Wolfmuller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time, and to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolfmuller. Wolfmuller1 is the channel name. See you there. Well, we have another segment, and we've exhausted all the negative comments that are on the internet about Pastor Wolfmuller. Is that is that true? <laughs> <laughs> we've just begun to. I think I'm up to one week ago comments. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, what else you got? How about this one on yeah. a video called "Confession and Absolution" that's so Roman Catholic. Critical Mass replies, "I'm sorry, but that understanding of John 20 is so wrong." Hmm. Totally failure in basic reading comprehension. Hmm. So I think that should be total failure. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> they were. For- <laughs> That's ironical. They were forgiving the people who had sinned against them, the apostles, so as to have a clear heart conscience towards those they were to minister to. So they weren't carrying emotional baggage into the mix. It wasn't forgiving the sins in the way the Lutherans propagate absolution. But didn't didn't Jesus say, uh, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you? Didn't Jesus say, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven? <laughs> whoever. <laughs> and this is the point, is that it's it's not only, it's just, um, it's not just earthly forgiveness, it's heavenly, it's divine forgiveness, that's the mm-hmm. point. Didn't Jesus say, <laughs> uh, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven? Whatever you loose on earth is yeah. loosed in heaven. Whatever. Whatever. That's right. <laughs> oh, some details. Uh, well, I got some here. Uh, so you went on a video uh, channel called Gospel Simplicity. What's the background of this one? Um, this is this guy. He's kind of a nice, humble guy. He's a seminarian, I think, at Dallas Theological Seminary. He's he's a Protestant. I think he's especially sort of exploring um various traditions especially orthodoxy and roman catholicism so he's he's really he himself has sort of an ecumenical endeavor so he he got on there he got a bunch of catholics on there i think i was the first lutheran i think he's since talked to jordan cooper on there too Hmm. um but i bet that's good (laughs) uh so here's a here's a comment. It's very it's a very nice comment actually. But it says, uh, "Pastor Brian is indeed a good man." But anytime I listen to him or other Lutheran pastors about theology, I cannot get my head around. Everything is so confusing, and not sure where they stand for. Uh, not sure where they stand for nowadays. <laughs> 
I have huge respect for them, but it's almost impossible to understand how a person be saved in their tradition. All good anyway. Thanks for sharing the video. Okay. Um, hmm. I wonder. I wonder. Uh, wonder how what where the breakdown is. Um, yeah. It is. It's a very interesting thing because are something like 10 to 1 like ah finally I, I was just there's a guy who says I, I've watched 50 videos on the rapture I didn't get it till I watch your video then it, it was clear so mm -hmm. thank you for that so it's normally God be praised for the clarity and simplicity of the Lutheran doctrine but then there's that 10% that's like this is just beyond me it's it's too much uh, I you, you know it's it's too confusing um, so, and I don't know exactly what to make of that distinction. I mean, I, it, but it, it is a thing that comes up over and over. So. This person says, as a former Lutheran, I should find this interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and then the comments say, I hope you do. And you became, and she responds, Catholic. Mm -hmm. And then the next person says, welcome home. God bless us all. Oh, welcome <laughs> uh -oh. This is where he gets. <laughs> How about this one from Liberi Regni Cordis Immaculate Marie? Hmm. Uh, you're doing the same thing you're accusing the Catholics of. If you acted the way you should, according to your critique, you would be orthodox. Who knows? But instead, you criticize Catholics for explaining the word is, not replacing it. Yes or no? Can one hold that the host is his body and explain it by transubstantiation? Probably spelled that wrong, but hey, you're making no sense. An explanation <laughs> is not a contradiction or replacement of Scripture. We just hold that this is the explanation of the how, of the what, the thing in Christ's hands, according to Scripture, being his Body. That's on my video. The most viewed video, by the way, that I have, the Lord's Supper, Roman Catholics versus Lutherans. Hmm. So, so, so uh, let me see if I'm tracking uh, here, because uh, chances are high that I'm not. Uh, so the assertion is that when a uh, Roman Catholic says uh, uh, transubstantiation takes place, which means that the, uh, the bread and wine of communion have transformed in their substance to the body and blood of Christ, um, that the Lutheran says, well, that's that's not in the Bible. Uh, what we can say about the Bible um, is that uh, Scripture refers to the elements of communion to still be bread and wine, uh, and yet also the body and blood of Christ, so that we can say both of those things are true. Okay, So uh, this person wants to say uh, that's the same fallacy, what what mm -hmm. how am I what am I missing on that argument? Mm. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> this is a this is the wild west of YouTube comments. That's right. We are kind of. I, I guess I was right when I said we are uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel. How about this? Lindsay says, this is on my rapture video, you omitted about a thousand preceding events of this gathering of the saints. Here's a question for you. Daniel 12, 1 through 3. If pre-tribulation rapture, rescue rapture were true and the graves burst open, which you conveniently omitted, and as the just are raised and the unjust are left in the ground, there's no mention of two or threefold partial gatherings mentioned in the Old Testament. You're just another American ear-tickling seminary fake. 
Hmm. I agree with you, Lindsay. I'm not sure you watched the video. <laughs> I, I, I made the same points you're making in the thing. That's wild. Uh, here's another one on that video right after that. Alan says, Brian Wolfmuther, the pre-tribulation rapture isn't a secret. The Bible clearly teaches it. Your view of the rapture is wrong. Hence, you're twisting scripture. In relation to the... Jesus and Paul said we won't go through it. You believe the devil's lies instead of believing the Bible. Hmm. Alan. Yeah, so the, the... Jim says on that same video, once your Israelology is eschatology and ecclesiology become errant too. Hmm. Peter, Pete says, the music is irritating. Hmm. Uh, I've got some here. <laughs> it says, a, a couple of points from a, waver, a wavering Catholic with some measure of philosophical theological training. It says, number one, the Catholic Church also proclaims that the reception of communion forgives us our sins. Mortal sins, however, make us unworthy to participate in that fellowship with other believers and to participate sacramentally in the communion. However... The scriptural witness is not a mere forgiveness, but that without receiving communion, one does not have life within you. Any thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, Luther said in the Catechism, where the forgiveness of sins is, there also is life and salvation. Mm -hmm. So I suppose we say the same thing. But the problem is that um, the, the, uh, the, the Luther understands life and salvation as belonging together with forgiveness, whereas the Catholic Church is so defensive against the doctrine of justification that they end up saying horrible things like mere forgiveness <laughs> or mere justification or mm -hmm. You see? Mm -hmm. And so the, the, um, there's this danger in—we I mean, normally recognize the—what um, is it? When you respond to something, the—like we are—because you're, you're against something, you sort of over—the reactionary nature of Protestant theology. But there's a reactionary nature to Catholic theology, too, which mm. pushes them away from the biblical truth, because— um, so we would never talk about mere forgiveness because it's forgiveness is what the that that's everything the lord's bringing it all to us in um uh in in the promise in the promise of the gospel hmm. uh we probably don't have enough time for any more of this gentleman's comments um because they're more heady but we have about a minute and a half left this guy says 1800s invention, that's complete lies. Try 2,000 years plus. In Greek, it's called harpazo, and the, it's called uh, nekatef in Hebrew. This guy left out many more passages, what Yeshua called the blessed hope. He speaks blasphemy. Meanwhile, Catholics like him preach purgatory, etc. Denounce Christ's grace, rather bow down to Mary, the doctrine of demons. Then someone says, he isn't a Roman Catholic. And then the response is, whatever so-called denomination. He's not biblical and false teaching. <laughs> Oh, man. So, so you you can accuse someone of teaching things that they don't actually teach, and then when someone says that's not true, you say, "Ah, oh, whatever. It's all just denominations. Mm -hmm. Whatever." Yeah. Someone else says right after that, the Pope does not believe in the rapture. He just believes in Mary and bows down to her pagan statue. That's what I get. You, uh... Oh well, it's a narrow way. It's a narrow way. God be praised that this stuff is going out there so that we get to fight about it. You know, it's it's rare that you get a good old theology fight. 
nowadays unless you cruise around the YouTube comments. And yeah. There it is waiting for you. Well, congratulations on your great success on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, preservation of, uh, of, of the, of the Lord's teaching. Well, I hope so. And, uh, it is a it is a thing that um, we we cannot grow weary in doing good, and we have to listen to the criticism too, because especially when it's done in love, it's a gift to us. Indeed. I didn't think I had thanks time for, for listening this. to <laughs> this edition of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.